There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Drive live. Talks legal. Very warm welcome to you, Ali. Uh, welcome to our new studios. Thank you for having me again here in this nice place. Very different, isn't yeah, it, Ali? I love it. Yeah. You can see outside. We're not trapping you in a room, leaving you to talk about law for an hour. We've never trapped you in a room. Oh, I, actually, maybe we have. I don't know. I was always happy to be here. Uh, that's what I like to hear. But Ali Al-Assad is our legal expert today. He is from Yamanova and Pletka. And um, Ali, we've got a couple of topics to get through today. And I think we should start here. Um, tax can be sometimes a dry mm. subject. And I know you like to do your very best to help us get our head around the topic. So we're going to start here um, with tax objection procedures and this is in light of a recent decision I have to be honest Ali it's not a decision I'm particularly aware of but establishing the tax disputes resolution committee so in some ways making things easier if you have an issue right yeah so basically we know that uh, anytime we are talking about law there is always an area of dispute for example like uh, even you hear about a lot of countries they have special courts and special lawyers that deal with tax because tax is always a problematic uh, Mm. topic that uh, a lot of time there is fines there is disputes about like evaluation of the due tax, the due tax refund, especially with the VAT. And therefore, if you see the tax procedure law that was the first step about uh, the implementation of the VAT in the UAE, it uh, have a specific chapter that talked about like the challenges or whenever, for example, let's say there is a taxable person, let's say a company who practice uh, trading in Dubai, and they are subject to VAT. And what happens whenever there is a dispute between them and the authorities about the value of the VAT that need to be transferred to the authorities, or for example over the refund uh, of the input VAT. That's one of the scenarios. The alternative scenario sometimes that a company will declare uh, whatever uh, uh, transactions they had and the allocated amount of tax that need, need to be paid to the government. However, sometimes some companies, they may miss or uh, they may not make like, their uh, submission properly as per the law. So, for example, they miss some transaction, which mm. may attract some fines from the authorities sometimes. And if you see the law, there is a a couple of areas where uh, dispute may arise, for example, by, for example, intentionally making the wrong submissions or sometimes unintentionally making the wrong submissions. And each one of these scenarios will attract a different fine or different process. So to summarize it, because of all these transactions, all these scenarios, a, a dispute may arise. So what can happen for the company that have this dispute? Let's say you have a fine of X amount of dirham for submitting, let's say, false report to the authorities. Yeah. As a company, you have the right to challenge it be, uh, before the same authority. You draw there is something called an application to reconsider the fine, for example, or the decision. That's something that any company that uh, may receive a fine from authorities, they can follow this process and file for reconsideration. The reconsideration needs to be de- decided by authority within 20 days. After the 20 days, if the party who filed the complaint is happy by the outcome, they can finish it there, pay whatever reduced fines, or if he believes that the fine is due, he can pay it. Alternatively, what a company or an individual can uh, do, they have the right to approach the uh, Tax Dispute Resolution Committee, which is the committee that was declared yesterday that was established. And basically now there is uh, three committees for now. There is one in Abu Dhabi that has jurisdiction over Abu Dhabi. There is one in Dubai that has jurisdiction over Dubai. And the third committee was established in Sharjah. And this committee will have jurisdiction over Sharjah, Ajman, Amalruin, Ras al-Khaima and Fujairah. Okay, so uh, these three uh, distinctly different committees, of course, are all overlooked by the Federal Tax Authority. That's the ultimate authority. Uh, basically, they, they are more like a separate body because they are formed from a judge and two experts on, the, oh, okay. on their side. And their role, uh, their jurisdiction is to review the decisions made by the tax authority. Right. So it's some kind of like an appeal level. 
Okay. Once uh, this committee will issue the decision about any complaint that was filed against any decision made by the authority, uh, this if below two if if the if the dispute is below hundred thousand dirham, their decision is final. In the event the value of the dispute exceeds hundred thousand dirham, the party who is not happy by the decision have the right to go to the court and from there follow the usual process of litigation. Okay, so this is kind of a, a side committee almost of the court. Uh, it's like uh, a preliminary step. You know, for example, sure. whenever you have a labor dispute, you have to go to Ministry of Labor first. Right. Something it's a step that may settle the matter before reaching the proper the actual court. Okay, and they would make recommendations either to uh, offer a resolution and that mm-hmm. goes to the federal tax authority with whoever uh, has uh, either is either answering to a case or has made a case uh, and if not it then goes into uh, legal proceedings. Yeah basically they will make a decision the yeah. party who is not satisfied with it can refer the matter to the court. Okay. Uh, there is a question always over intent. If you uh, report erroneously or mm. if you uh, forge uh, mm. I guess uh, th- that's a hard one. That is legal, pro- that, that means you know legal proceedings doesn't it? Mm. And intent has to be proven. It's basically like if you see the law itself, it differentiates between a couple of scenarios like making, for example, let's say, uh, round uh, submission to the authorities just be- without any bad intentions. Just sometimes you may slip a transaction or something. This yeah. will be treated in a certain way. While the alternative situation is whenever something like with bad face, like somebody is trying to hide certain transactions or to manipulate their uh, financial books to affect la- the amount of tax to be paid. That's something that will be treated completely different. Mm. Especially that was the first scenario. The, the party who made the mistake state have the right to voluntarily uh, correct whatever happened. For example, let's say they made the submission, later they discovered, oh, we, st- yeah. we skipped some transaction. They have the right to voluntarily report this mistake to the authorities and from there basically no serious action will be taken. Okay, it's quite, it's quite a complex um, situation really, mm. isn't it? Mm. But Ali, again, marvellous <laughs> and explaining it in a way that uh, even Tim and I can understand. We've had a couple of questions for you, Ali. I'm going to start with this one. Um, this person um, probably won't use their name actually. My car has third party insurance only. It was quite a common thing here, like in many other parts of the world. It was stolen from a mechanic shop that had parked the car in an open area and hasn't been recovered. What action uh, should I take, this person asks, and how should I go about it? So basically, uh, just to clarify, as long as you mentioned that your insurance is third party only, basically mm-hmm. there is nothing that you have to do with your own your insurance company. So now the situation, like if there is somebody you can go after is the garage, in the event we see that, uh, like the court will deem that they kept the car like uh, in an open place, some kind of mm-hmm. a negligence from their side, then yes, they will have the obligation to uh, uh, compensate you for uh, whatever damages, which is basically in this situation the value of the stolen car. That's if the court will see that they are the one liable for that while in the event let's say they did all their best to keep the car in a safe place however somebody managed to brought in was whatever terminal intent they have then they may have an argument that they were subject they were victim of the crime but in the event as you said that they kept it in an open area and unattended maybe without lotting it then you can go after the garage. You see, that's interesting because if you go to, if you have a car from a dealer and you use mm. a dealer for servicing, for example, generally mm. speaking, if you take your car for a service or any kind of uh, corrective procedures, you would drive in. There is usually a guard at the gate to get the car mm. out. You need a mm. gate pass. Mm-hmm. In this instance, obviously, it's a smaller mechanic shop. Um, mm. But you, of course, then have to prove that they were in charge of the car at that point point how do you do that yeah basically usually whenever you drop the car for service you receive and sometimes people skip it like usually you go to the mechanic who provide you a document you will sign it yeah. and you see the paper itself have three colors like one copy for them one copy for you one copy to keep it in the file it's usually, yeah. that's right yeah. carbon copies uh, yeah. and you have of, the exactly a lot of people they would drop their car and even like they will feel embarrassed about asking the, for the receipt mm. 
So they would just drop the car and leave. And later, uh, if somebody would come and say, oh, I didn't have your car. Yeah, that's then you have creep. to refer maybe to CCTV cameras, especially if they have them in the workshop, that may help. And, yeah. and Ali, would this make a difference, for example, um, if the, the, the mechanic, if the keys were stolen from inside the mechanic's shop, for example, we don't have the details here, but say somebody broke into the mechanic's office, mm. stole the keys and drove it out. Mm. Because surely that is, um, that's not negligence on, on the mm. mechanic shop part. If, if they have a secure office in theory that someone breaks into, would this depend on if the, the car was just left in an open space, do you think? Yeah, basically like the chance to chase the owner of the garage or like the garage itself as a company is whenever we can associate a mistake to them or a major negligence. In the event they did all they, what they didn't do to secure the car, however something happened, this might be out of their control and they are also like a victim similar to your situation. Okay, so that's that question. Appreciate that uh, coming up. One more, uh, anything to add to that, Ali? Yeah, it is because sometimes like whenever you drop your car either at a valet or a, at a garage or even at a parking, there is always this label on the wall that we are not responsible for any yes. damage, flood, fire. But that's not true, is it, Ali? Even sometimes they tell you that we are not uh, liable for uh, negligence or stuff. These are invalid, first of all, because you as a person, you didn't sign it. Yeah. There is no signature for you on these terms. And let's say even you sign it, like, uh, and if you see the draft, it says that we are not responsible, for example, let's say for force measure, let's say if mm. the entire garage got in fire because of a third party, okay, then they may not be liable. But if you see these disclaimers always have a release of liability from their own mistake, they tell you even if we bump your car into the wall, mm. uh, these are invalid because Nora, nobody have the right to release himself from his own mistake or major negligence. Okay, and you, if you haven't signed it, yeah. then it's not incumbent on yeah. you. So, yeah. um, what about if the valet... For, oh, don't start me on valets. Oh, <laughs> what about if the valet moves your car seat and switches the radio station? Well, what do you do then? Uh, for that, you can just be anti <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Just between yourself and... <laughs> so, Ali, if I was... Uh, I don't know, if I was to borrow your car, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a lovely car, mm-hmm. and um, I managed to wrap it around a lamppost, but before I borrowed your car, I gave you a document that said, if I do anything in this car... Um, I'm not liable for it. It doesn't mm. really hold up, does it? And basically, if uh, while driving my car with my authorization, a truck, God forbid, come and hit the car from the back without any mistake to you, mm. then I have nothing against you. While in the event you hit the truck, then yes, I have the right to chase with her damage in my asset. Okay. As you told NLT, be I careful. know I'm not going to be borrowing <laughs> Ali's car. I think it uh, might be a little bit too fast <laughs> for me. But basically, if there is insurance, then insurance will pay. Okay. Uh, coming up on Drive Live, we are continuing to talk legal. Our guests, as you just heard there, Ali Al-Assad from Yamanova and Plethka. Drive Live talks legal. Ali Al-Assad is from Yamanova and Plethka. Uh, nice to have you in the new studio, Ali. Thank you. It is. It's really good to have you here. Feels like we're we're smartening up for Ali. He's always here in his suit and his nice briefcase or laptop bag holder. I always say that when you're not here. Love Ali's briefcase thing. She's got a real thing about your uh, laptop case. I do. Oh, and there it is. It's the proper designer stuff going on there. It's really you nice. Can have it. Okay, Ali. Thanks. I'll I'll see you outside later. Um, but yeah, we've had a couple of texts in for Ali already, haven't we, Tim? Yeah. Questions today. Usual number four double zero one, or via the free Dubai I Messenger app. If you've got something of a legal nature that you need uh, response to, here's one. We've an employee who left, signed his termination letter, but visa and labour card were not cancelled before flying out. What can be done? Thank. Thank you. So basically, uh, the visa, the employee ca- uh, resigned, he left the company, he got paid and he left. However, he still have his passport and the residency still on it. So basically, as long as the residency uh, did not expire, then the situation is not that complicated. He can send his passport here by 
mail or something, uh, then the company can cancel it and they can send him the passport back. What if, I mean, I don't know what the situation here is, but if this person left as quickly as they did, it was pretty sharpish. They maybe wanted to mm. be away and mm. they're not going to cooperate with perhaps sending the passport. Yeah, by not sending the passport here, uh, the situation is that if he stay outside of the country for six months, the visa will be cancelled automatically, but it will remain in the system and that will be a problem for him to come back in the country. For the company, they have to deal with the inconvenience of having maybe like one of their visa quota being like uh, busy or occupied by this employee until the six months lapse. Okay. okay. Right. Um, we have another question that's coming for you too, Ali. This is um, a, a letting issue. This one says, my landlord is refusing to reimburse me for the repairs I did in his bathroom. He says he suspects I'm subletting the place to two other people. He does not have any evidence of this. How can I get reimbursed for the repair fees without escalating the case? Now, this person doesn't say whether they are um, subletting. They just say the landlord doesn't have any proof. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky situation, but there is a solution for it. So basically, for the first point is there is maintenance. There was some repair to be performed on the flat. Mm-hmm. And as we know, majority of the tenancy contracts, they split the maintenance, the minor ones on the tenant, the major one on the landlord. So the way how it works, if it's a main, um, minor issue of maintenance, then the tenant has to pay, so there is no refund here. In okay. the event it's something major, the landlord has the default obligation to pay it. Unless here we are talking about a damage caused by the tenant. Mm. If I go and break a wall intentionally in the flat, I cannot tell the landlord to come and fix it. Let's say the major damage happened without any mistake from the tenant. The normal process that as a tenant, you have to communicate to your landlord and he should fix it. In the event you do not see any cooperation from the landlord, as a matter of fact and as a matter of practice, you can go uh, bring whatever handyman or whatever ser- professional service who can repair this damage. Pay it by yourself and keep the invoices and keep the receipts of whatever you incurred for this loss. In the event the landlord does not allow, does not accept to refund it to you, there's two ways. Either you file a court case against him for claiming the refund, and if you have the proper documents and the proper documentation of the damage, you will get it. Alternatively, if you are renewing your tenancy contract with the landlord, just when the renewal is due, issue mm-hmm. the checks minus whatever money he owes you. And at that time, let him go and sue you in the event he, he insists that you have to pay the money. That's just as a matter of maintenance. You raised the issue of the subletting. Mm. Basically, uh, first of all, you said there is no proof of subletting. So let's assume there is no sublease. Uh, so in this situation, the landlord have no argument to come and say, I'm not going to do the maintenance because you sublet. And even let's say there was a sublease. The obligations here are separated because you as a tenant, you have the right to stay in the flat. Let's say you sublease it without the approval of the landlord. The landlord cannot take any action against you, i.e. evicting you from the flat, unless he serves you a legal notice for 30 days. If within these 30 days you uh, you fix your situation and you, let's say you are subleasing and you take the subtenant out, the landlord have no recourse against you. And therefore he cannot come and say, I'm not going to pay the, uh, uh, sorry, I'm not going to refund you for whatever uh, repairs, repairs uh, you made. However, in the event you don't abide, then he have the right, the, the right to take you out. But also, if there is money due to you, he have to refund it. Because basically the law doesn't, uh, doesn't allow parties to apply penalties against each other. Uh, you breach the term, so I'm not going to pay you. Yeah. No. My obligation to pay you is still there. If you breach, okay, there is compensation. I, I file a case against you for it, but I don't do it internally by myself. But it's two separate cases, yeah, exactly. for example. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's look at the landlord side for a moment. Let's assume that there is no subletting, but a landlord, uh, if... Let's take this instance specifically. The landlord wants to know that there is no sublease mm-hmm. uh, that he or she hasn't approved. Mm-hmm. 
what rights do landlords have to go and view a premise which is rented out? In this situation, there is two scenarios that may apply. First of all, if the tenancy contract includes a provision that allows, for example, landlords have the right, for example, every three months or within a notice of 48 hours to come and inspect the flat, right. the landlord should exercise his right and see whatever mentioned in the contract, let's say by written request, then he should send an email to the tenant saying that, please, I'll be visiting mm. the flat within the next 48 hours. Please arrange accordingly. That's the number one. And the number two, in the event the tenancy contract does not give the landlord such right, because also the law doesn't give it. So if you don't have it in the contract, it doesn't exist. And that time, you have the right to go to the rental dispute center. If we're talking about Dubai, for example, yeah. you go to the rental dispute center and file an application with the, with the center there to send an inspector to check the flat. So at that time, an official uh, employee will leave from the rental dispute center to the flat and from there he will go inspected. And he will draft the relevant report, either documenting that there is a tenant, there is a sublease, or there is no sublease. Okay, more texts coming in for you, uh, Ali. And they are as follows. Here's one. Hi, left my villa over a month ago at the end of the contract, but the landlord won't return my deposit after he agreed to do so. So what do you do there if you've got five or 10,000 dirhams tied up mm-hmm. as a deposit? You want that back? Mm-hmm. So basically what we recommend, uh, send an email to the landlord asking him to refund you the money. And in the event he doesn't want to refund, ask him that, okay, he should give you an explanation. Like, I'm not going to refund you just because I don't want to pay you or I don't have money or because you caused XYZ damage to the flat whenever you have a reply or even in the event he doesn't reply and you see you reach a dead end with him you have the right to go to rental dispute center file a case for a refund of the deposit and from there unless the landlord can come with any valuable proof why he doesn't refund you you will have a positive judgment and you have to enforce it against the landlord and what's a reasonable amount of time that should lapse between the letter arriving and not receiving a by, uh, do you think? Like if you don't hear, like let's say if you have a landlord who is here in Dubai and that he's usually within your reach wa- shortly, yeah. like if three or four days you don't get a re- let's say one week you don't get a reply, maybe you need to consider taking a official action. Okay, so it wouldn't be as long as a couple of weeks or a month. It's it's That's reasonably fast. Uh, if, if we are talking about a landlord who's here, like what's the reason not to reply, no. especially if like you yeah. also have access to him over the phone? And, and Ali, I mean, from a personal perspective, I'm moving house next month, so I want to know mm. the answer to this too. <laughs> if um, How long is a reasonable amount of time for the landlord to keep hold of the deposit though? So this, I mean, this person's talking further down the line of, of not getting the deposit, but at what stage should I expect to have that deposit mm. back in my bank account? Basically, the law doesn't give a timeline, but what we see in practice, like a lot of tenancy contracts have like within 15, 15 days or sometimes they yeah. put up to one month. Okay. Because uh, why sometimes they need some time? Because you leave the flat, the landlord himself sometimes, like in reality, like especially if I'm talking about somebody who have multiple uh, com- uh, units and stuff, he's not going to have maybe the time to go and check it immediately. And the way how it usually works, when the new tenant will come in, he's the one who will point the snatch. Yeah. Like, what, this is broken, this needs to be fixed. So if the entire process take up to two weeks, made sense. One yeah. month, it's not the pleasant scenario, but... It might happen from yeah, time Yeah, you time. don't need to see it as them not wanting to pay yet, do yeah, you? Yeah, especially if they are in commutation. If you have a lender who come and tell you, okay, uh, next week I'm sending, for example, uh, my representative to check the flat, and after that, mm-hmm. upon his feedback, I reverse you, then it makes sense to wait. But if you have a lender who doesn't answer the phone and you feel that he's just ignoring you, then... No need to wait for the one month now. Okay. okay. Let's stay on the landlords for a moment. Here is another text. My tenant has sent me a text message with intention of leaving my apartment at the end of the contract. The message comes two months before expiry. This landlord's asking, is this an acceptable uh, notice period? If not, what can I do? And am I right in saying, isn't it three months notice? Uh, basically, the default one from uh, the law that any amendment to the contract need to be communicated ma- minimum 90 days prior to the ex- uh, expiry of the contract, unless... 
we have a clause in the contract where it says if the tenant want to leave, he have to give two months notice only. If not, then the default one is three months. So upon the expiry of the tenancy contract, you as a landlord, you have the option either to file a case against the tenant and claim the rent for the next year because you consider that the contract was automatically renewed. Mm. And at that time, you'll have a money judgment against the tenant and the tenant have the uh, have to pay it to you because he will keep the flat even as even if he doesn't really need it, but yeah. he's bound by a renewed contract. That's number one. Number two, if you can secure another tenant who will who's happy to come and occupy it, then it's your consideration. If you feel that it's suitable, you can let the matter grow and start the relationship with a new tenant. So would this be a case of you as the landlord deciding, A, do I think I can rent this out? B, do I want to go down this legal route? Because you have the right to try and claim the money. But if this person, for example, is giving you two months notice because they're leaving the country, this mm. could possibly be uh, an exhaustive process with not much in return at the end. Yeah, exactly. With somebody who may leave the country before you have a travel ban against him, then mm. you will have a judgment, but it may not be like, uh, it might not be really worth it to chase it. But depends uh, on like the value of the property and the condition of the tent is the tent staying here or no that's yeah and if you think i mean if you've got people queuing up to rent it you probably don't mind you know mm. it's kind of one of those things um could you ask them for, for just to pay the additional month that's an option allowed for the landlord if the landlord is happy with that if they can agree with these terms then yes fine they can sign an amicable termination of the lease that the last uh, rental d- uh, day of rent will be at date and he pay you the check in advance and it's fine yeah if yeah. the parties agree, nobody would interfere. Follow-up text here to the person who said I left my villa over a month ago at the end of the contract, but the landlord won't return my deposit, even though the landlord agreed to do so. What's the section called to complain so that I can get my deposit back? That's the RDC, the Rental Dispute Centre. Yeah, if we're talking about Dubai, it's the Rental Dispute Centre. You have to go and file uh, the regular case about uh, refund. And mm-hmm. at that time, depending on uh, what's the, uh, how your landlord will react, because usually whenever you file... There's an option to refer the, the application to mediation. If at mediation you will manage to settle it and you get the money, you'll get 50% of your filing fees back. If not, then you have to proceed with the regular case, which might take maybe two or three months sometimes. A little bit longer and a little bit more expensive. So uh, there's the answer to that. It's all about the landlords today. Seeing all this, lots of landlords texting in. It's not all about the evil landlords <laughs> no. because, of course, no. that would be unfair. Tola is asking, I have an enforcement judgment against my landlord at the RDC, the Rental Disputes mm-hmm. Committee. The tenant, however, has left the United Arab Emirates. What are my options? So basically, you are the landlord, your tenant uh, left the country, and you have a judgment to enforce. First of all, you have to look for whatever assets he may left behind him in the UAE. If you find any assets, these assets can be seized, auctioned. The revenues of the auction will be given to you if there is anything remaining as the tenant has to collect it uh, back. In the event the tenant is abroad, he already left the country and there is no assets behind him, you can request from the rental dispute center to issue an arrest warrant against him. So in the event he comes back to UAE at any time, he will get arrested and then he have to uh, make the payment and so he can be released. Okay. Okay, we are um, talking legal at the minute. If you have questions for Ali, uh, do text us in 4001 via the free messaging app or you can call us on our new number 04871 I want to give you one final chance though to um, enter our competition because we will be announcing the winner in about 15 minutes time. This is to go in the draw alongside Lawrence who was our winner yesterday for flights to Moscow with Air Arabia. So you need to guess which Air Arabia destination am I? I'm home to about a million people, the largest Armenian community around the world. Walk around me and witness Soviet-inspired architecture. If you're a culture vulture, visit my 
Prajanov, I don't think I'm saying that right, Prajanov Museum. And a fun fact is, three years ago, Kanye West unexpectedly jumped into one of my lakes during a free concert. During that time, his wife, Kim K, and her family toured me to revisit their roots and say hello to my people. Which Air Arabia destination am I? What you need to do, text the answer 4001 via the free messaging app with your name, and uh, you could be in with a chance of being in that draw on Thursday to win the flights to Russia. If um, we have quite a few questions, don't we, to get through to Ali. And they, we are talking about landlords and rents quite a lot. But don't panic if your question isn't about that, but it's still of a legal nature. Because mm. Ali is fit to answer them all. Uh, Ali is, is um, fit to answer anything legal, to be completely honest. But there, there is an interesting question here about uh, traffic fines and raising an objection about traffic fines. Uh, I'm not sure of all the details, but we'll get to that in a few minutes' time. We've got uh, Vipples just text in. It's about complaints against developers. Uh, booking amounts for Mm -hmm. properties as well. There is also another uh, deposit-based question. Uh, Somebody's uh, left their flat. They want to get their deposit back, but the landlord's deducted some uh, charges against that, perhaps unfairly. We'll talk about that. But if you do have something of a legal nature, you want a perspective from Ali, uh, usual numbers apply, 4001, the free app, or the new number, which NLT is 04871 That's absolutely right. This is Drive Live. Get in touch with the show. Text us on 4001. You are listening to Drive Live with Tim Elliott and Natalie Lindo-Taylor. It is coming up to 10 to 5 and we're talking legal. Our guest today is Ali Al-Assad from Yamalava and Plethka. And um, I'm hoping we will be able to go to the phone lines. No, I don't think we've got Vipple on the line. We've got a couple more texts there, Tim. If you want to go with one of those, we'll try and get Vipple in a second. Let's uh, ask this. A couple of weeks uh, before I queried about how to object to a traffic fine, Ali. Uh, this is related to the same. This uh, I kind of vaguely remember this question. I think it was about three weeks ago. Uh, eventually, I raised a complaint through Dubai Police website. I was rejected without explanation. I still want to contest because I feel the fine was unlawful. Uh, apparently this person improperly changed a lane in front of the vehicle uh, and the person's asking, how do I go and, first of all, raise a complaint and the procedure to do that, having had, I guess, the rejection. Traffic violation, and you would like to challenge it. First of all, you have to file the objection application with the Dubai police, and from there, you will be referred to traffic prosecution, where you have to attend a hearing in front of a judge, and from there, you explain your case, and from there, you will have a judgment, either, for example, uh, waiving the fine or just saying that the fine, the violation was correct and therefore the fine has to be paid so it's, you need to attend a court hearing for that and it's not just an application filing is an application over the application uh, like the app the mobile app but later you have to attend a proper hearing in front of a judge from there the matter will be decided okay uh, here's uh, another one this is completely different when a bank issues a travel ban i don't think banks do that i guess they can raise a case if you owe them uh, money against a card for example uh, does that mean i can't enter or exit the uae so basically, like for a band to have a travel ban by themselves, as you mentioned, this is not possible. Mm-hmm. Basically, it happened in two ways: either by testing the chat, the, the security chat you issued to yeah. them, yeah. and from there there will be a police case, and therefore you will be blacklisted. Or in the event they initiated a civil case for the value of the chat for or whatever amount of money uh, you owe them, and in the event they can obtain a temporary permit from the from a judge to put a travel ban on you, then yes, you're not going to be able to travel, but you're not going to be arrested, but you just will be denied leaving the country. Okay. But that's something that has to happen either through the prosecution or the court. It's not something that the ban can enforce by themselves. 
All right, then. Uh, questions, text through 4001 via the free app. The new number is 04871 Uh Another text, NLT, do you need another one? I've got well, one here. Well, I was just going to see if we could look at today's topic, um, a second part of the topic briefly, because this is quite an important lesson, Ali, isn't it, about cyber crimes? Um, and lots of people do things like maybe take photos um, in public places, not realising that they could, in fact, be committing an offence, particularly if they go on to publish that photo. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, as we, we uh, the authorities keep having like awareness campaigns about this uh, matter, and if we talk about the cyber law crime, there is two type of crimes. Like one of them is directed more towards like uh, corporate crime or like major frauds, where you have somebody who hacked into a online system from where they can manipulate funds inside banks and stuff. That's a separate. That's a, a, a big part of the law. But also there is the small part where like normal people from the public without any criminal intention they may commit the crime without realizing what they are doing yeah. sometimes you are taking a picture of somebody let's say you are sitting in a restaurant you take the picture of your friend however in the background of the picture there is somebody with a clear face in the event you post it online there is a chance like a good chance that nobody will see it so not, nothing will happen but in mm. the event the person will come to know that you took his picture and he will come and ask you to delete it and you refuse then yes you committed that crime basically here Another part uh, that comes, and that's something people are less aware about it, might be because what we see in the news, there is more and more cases about this stuff, which is the issue of defamation. You go and post something on somebody's uh, page on Facebook or on their Twitter, and where it may include like offensive wording or something that uh, may attract shame to them. Sometimes people do it not realizing the extent of damage they are causing by having these posts out there uh, online, like, where like a lot of people can see it, and from there it can be shared and stuff. And however, you receive a call that there is a police case against you because you already violated the cyber tro- cyber uh, ter- crime law. A third, posi- third situation that may happen that sometimes, and that's something like uh, with time, people will become more aware about it, that you are checking your so- social media. One of your friends posted a video. Mm. That's your friend. You put light sometimes maybe without checking the content of the video. Or maybe you chat, for example, like the video is like for three minutes. So you chat the first one minute mm. and you like it and you just scroll. You're not realizing what you actually liked or what you actually shared. Because maybe if you keep going through the video, maybe there is something that violates the law in the UAE. Yeah. And by you liking that, you participated to the crime and then you will be subject to the penalties. Okay, I think we have finally uh, got Vipul on the line. Vipul, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Sorry to keep you waiting, Vipul. What's your question for Ali? Yeah, basically I booked an apartment with one of the developer, reputed developer. With the terms and conditions mentioned in my booking form that in any case, if the apartment is cancelled either by the developer or by the buyer, that is me, the money what I am paying as a deposit will be refunded. But after a one, one and a half year still, they have not refunded me. So, which is the legal authority to whom I can apply? Because I already tried online and I sent the email to Dubai Land Department. So, Ali, who can who can he contact? So, basically, any time you have an issue with a developer, the first authority you can approach, as you mentioned, is land department, who may try to mediate this, uh, the dispute. However, land department cannot issue a judgment in your favor for the refund. So, in the event the developer at the land department even is not willing to settle the matter amicably, the recourse you have is to file a case against this developer at the court, claiming the breach of contract from their side. Especially, as you mentioned, that uh, as you said, that uh, the reservation form gives you the right to cancel the agreement and get a refund. In the event this clause exists there, you base your claim at the court based on this provision and hopefully you will have a successful judgment.
so uh, only remedy is to go to the court no any other uh, authority which can interfere or which can uh, bring the solution yeah because land department can try to settle it amicably but they cannot force the developer to refund you the only authority that can issue an enforceable document which means you can enforce it uh, against uh, the developer is the court only okay we for best rera about rera no no rera land department are basically whenever we talk about lira and the department we are talking almost about the same body Okay, uh, Vipul, best of luck with it. I hope it goes well. Okay, and just Thanks. one more question on that. This amount of the deposit and what of what will be the court fee I need to pay for that? Basically, the uh, filing fees at the Dubai courts is six percent. And the, uh, what's the amount you are talking about? This is only just ten thousand booking amount. Ten thousand. Right? So it's six six percent capped at twenty thousand dirham. So you you pay just six percent of the ten thousand. Uh, was a minimum of 500 dirham you cannot go below the 500 dirham and with such t- uh, amount whenever you file your case at the court it will be automatically trans- transferred to a department at the court where they will try to settle the dispute amicably in the event it doesn't work there from there they refer you to the normal uh, litigation process best of luck vipal hope you get through we have someone else on the line too we have uh, patel and i believe patel's a landlord patel uh, good afternoon uh, good afternoon and um, what's your question for ali Yeah, I have two questions basically. One is regarding my property. We uh, only have I time have for one, so you'll have to uh, give us the first question. Okay, I'll go with the priority one. I have a property and I have paid the full amount for the property, and the, the developer has delayed it for more than a year. Mm-hmm. And I have paid the full amount. So, what would be my recourse to get the uh, any penalty for the delay in the handling of the project? So basically, uh, we have to check if the contract provides for any penalty for the delay. You have usually it comes uh, in a form that adds uh, amount per month or usually a certain percentage. Okay, so uh, you check your contract. If there is a penalty clause, you go to the court and file uh, for a judgment against the developer for whatever amount. Let's say we have a daily penalty. You do it times how many days the delay, and that's what you claim from the court, and you will have a judgment. in your favor in the event there is no penalty clause in the contract then whenever you file at the court you have to be ready to submit any whatever proof you can find to show whatever damages you suffered because of that for example the one i can think about now let's say if you had to stay in a rented property because of the delay in the handover then you can claim whatever rent you paid to your landlord or in the event let's say you live in an apartment that you own you claim whatever la- rent you lost for this unit Yeah, I did not mention that there is a percentage of one of the claim I can make in the contract and secondly basically the loss is the Hi, uh thank you for having me online. Um well basically I had lent a friend of mine about 300,000 four years ago. And now what happened was uh, there was no documentation nothing. It was based on good faith. Mm-hmm. I transferred the money and it was invested in a business. Now the business went um you know uh, down south and uh, nothing happened they didn't pay me back. I went and put a fraud case. Uh, it took about 3 to 4 years of fighting in the court and finally I won the case. now the there was money spent on the lawyer fees on the court fees and the money of course nothing's coming back mm. uh i was told i have to put a civil uh, which is 6% per 100000 which is about 18000 dirhams now i'm not in a position to go and pay that 18000 and file that civil now the guy got away with 2 months of jail 
sorry. That's about it. And the money is gone. So Now, basically, I would like to know. Basically, you want yes. to know um, from Ali what you can do next in order to, to try yes. and recoup some of those costs without spending all that money. Uh, unfortunately, yes. there's scena- a way around it. Yeah, the scenario you suggested, like legally speaking, there is no way other than finding the civil case and obtaining a judgment uh, against this person for the money and later enforce this money judgment against him or against his assets. That's the official way to do it. Okay, now if I put the case, now this guy's been behind bars for the past two years for the for other cases as well. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to come up in civil and say, I don't have the money. I don't have a job. I don't have a business. How much? I cannot pay. Mm-hmm. So what happens then? So basically the situation, in the event you don't find any of his assets, you have the right to, let's say you have a civil judgment against him for X amount of money. In the event uh-huh. he cannot pay it, then you have the right to request from the enforcement judge to issue an arrest warrant against this person, which means this person will go back to jail. Basically, he will go there for a limited time. After that, he will have a temporary release so he can try and get money. If he doesn't manage to do it, he will come back to jail again. But the total period of arrest cannot exceed 36 months. So uh, basically, Faraz, it's just going to be a case of best best of luck, really, if if he doesn't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's not better news for you. Well, it's all right. But thank you so much for accommodating me. Thank you. Thank you very much for your call. And that's it. Faraz had the last word on Drive Life Talks Legal today because we are completely out of time. Ali Al-Assad, thank you so much for your time as usual. Lots and lots of questions uh, to get you nice and warmed up in the new studio. But thank you very much for your time, Ali. Our pleasure. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.